technological twiddle in the middle of this, but this is where we, what, this is where, what we've been looking at uh, this morning. So I think the Ben and Jerry's ice cream, is, this is the third time this, uh, this is working now, and I think it is a good sort of starting point. Does it matter whether Ben and Jerry ever existed? Not particularly. But church, does it matter if Jesus existed? Does it matter if Jesus is alive? And the absolute matter is totally, it, it, it's the, the, the total thing is Jesus. It is all about him. And so what we've been looking is how to be a Christian without Jesus' physical personal presence. Uh, and the, the, the questions raised in the text about his physical absence. And I've said, I think it's reasonably true, it's a bit of an approximation, but it's reasonably true that when in, in, the, in these chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, Jesus is uh, sort of threading together various things about the life that we as post-resurrection Christians live. And uh, prayer is very important. Jesus' words are very important. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is absolutely key. And then this life of loving obedience, which is what we're going to look at this evening. Um, um, and so this evening we're going to look at, did you notice in the reading, one of the strands is obedience. So look at 1415, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And as I want to show, that that, that particular thread crops up in a number of places and is linked in various important ways. So we're going to look at the life of loving obedience and you might say, really not up for this this evening because I've always been taught, you might say, we've been, we are saved by grace and what he's about to talk about seems to be bringing in works through the back door. Get the point? Salvation is by grace. We are saved not according to works that we have done. But here's, this is about obedience, so you might be thinking that. You might be thinking, I thought, you might be thinking, obeying commandments, that's all Ten Commandments, Moses, Old Testament, that's all old stuff. We've, we've got past that in the New Testament. We live in a day of grace. You might be thinking that. You might be thinking, I just can't face up to what he might be going to say today because I don't. I know that my life contains disobedience. I often fall and sin. So you might be thinking that. And you might be thinking, I do want to know more of the work of the Holy Spirit. But is this that we're looking at this evening, is this the way? Because there are various competing promises concerning the work of the Spirit, aren't there? Uh, I mean, putting it, at a, putting it almost at a caricature, that people say you need to go to a meeting where you go up at the front, somebody does something to you, sort of zaps you, you fall over backwards. That's how you receive the Spirit. And you might even have known churches where they teach you that. And this is very different. So who's right? And you might be thinking... 
Is this really saying that the Christian life is like being a monk or a nun living in a monastery, so we just sort of isolate ourselves and concentrate on, on finding the spirit? Is that, is that really what it, you know, so it seems to be totally unrealistic in, in ordinary life. And you might also say, if we're going to be doing stuff about obedience and the spirit, where's Jesus in all this? So those are the questions. And what I'd like to do is look at the text and then possibly we'll go, come back to these questions and see if we can answer them. So let's look at the texts. And I, I'm picking up the thread, which is the thread where it says, keeping commands or keeping words so let's let's look at them or something like that so there's there's a limited number 13 to 17 is the foot washing bit it's the foot washing uh, thing Jesus is washing his disciples feet and could Jerome please in a nice loud voice give us chapter 13 verse 17 Thank you. So I put up there, you'll be blessed if you. Could somebody finish the sentence? Do them. That's interesting, isn't it? You'll be blessed if you do them. I've told you this before. I went to the University of Sussex to the Christian Union there and asked them to finish that sentence. And one of them said, you'll be blessed if you meditate on this. But it doesn't say that, does it? It says, you'll be blessed if you do it. 14.15, if you love me, you will obey what I command and, and what's the and? Yep, uh, the, the things that I command you, yeah, and then after, after that, how does it lead on from there? Right, so there seems to be a link there between loving, obeying, and the, send, uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, it, it may be just a fluke of maybe there ought to be a chapter division there, and then you wouldn't seem to think there was a connection. But on the face of it, it looks like there's a connection, doesn't it? If you love me, if you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, comforter to be with you forever. It does seem to, to be linked with keeping my commandments. 14.21. Ruth, could you read that out for us in a nice loud voice, please? Thank you very much. So there's another connection there, isn't there? So how does the connection work? Let's just have a little look. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, okay, he is the one who loves me. So there's a, a connection between loving Jesus and obeying his commands. Is that right? So if somebody says, I love you, Lord Jesus, I really love you, and then goes away and doesn't keep his commands, Jesus would say, well, that was just a load of hot air. Or whatever, a load of pointless emotion. Yeah? 
Whoever, uh, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And then, he who loves me will be loved by my Father. So there's a connection between, sort of, it seems to go around in a sort of circle. Whoever loves me will be loved by my Father. Uh, so it is... Um, A response of love. The Father, he first loves us. We love him in return. He loves us. And there is this revelation of Jesus to the person. I too will love him and show myself to him. So that seems to, that's a reference to the work of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? The showing of uh, Jesus to the disciples. 1423. 1423. Rod, please could you read that in a nice loud voice for us? Jesus again speaking, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Yeah, could you give us the next verse as well, please? He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not Thank you. Okay, so that's another, uh, another text talk, connecting love and obedience and then connecting love and the presence of uh, the, the Father and the Son, or at least the Father it is in this text, isn't it, with um, the presence in the person who does the loving, and that is, as we know, by the Holy Spirit. Okay. And 15.10, let's have a look. Uh, I think I probably meant 9. Chapter 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And then it carries on to verse 17 where it says, this is my command, love each other. Now, having said all those things, I think that is most of the most of the times this particular thread pops up in the strands of Jesus' teaching. So that, that's that's the raw material, and we need to come back to those. I'll put them back on the screen. I think in a moment. So, how do we draw that out? So here's some questions that I think would help us. Uh, number one question. How does Jesus relate to the Father according to these texts? Actually, I'm going to make this far too difficult if I give you all those questions at once. Uh, How does Jesus relate to the Father? So let's go back. Let's do this one together. I think you want to be looking in 15, 9 and 10. And can anybody tell us what 
does Jesus say about the way he relates to his father in um, chapter 15, verses 9 and 10? Well, I'll tell you what, ask your neighbor what they think for a moment, and then, um, and then we'll see. Chapter 15, verses 9 and 10, how does Jesus relate to his father in this matter? So what was the answer? How does, how does Jesus relate to the Father? What does the text say? It says that, doesn't it? That he is obedient to the Father. Remain in my love. If you obey your, my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. So just taking that, that, that top question. How does Jesus relate to the Father? Answer by obeying his Father's commands. Is that true? That's what it says. So let's try and write some of these things in. Ah. Oh, yeah, but I could put... Well, I'll... Do you consider that to be problematic? Do you consider that to be offensive and off-putting in any way? So Ruth? It's not Thank you very much. Yeah, he... Um, let me just think. Say it again. Say, say, say the text again. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So you said that's modelling. As the Father has loved me. So have I. Yeah, okay. Mimicking. Mimicking. Yes, it, uh, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's, 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 uh, so uh, mimicking, um, imitating, communicating, reflecting. Let's just let's put reflecting. So that's helpful. So we could ask the question: Does the Father love Jesus? Because he obeys him. So is it a sort of meritorious relationship in that sense? 
Yes. Yes. Yes, okay, it, it, it sort of fits rather beautifully together. And we find it problematic only if we sort of fragment, uh, fragment it. Because Jesus says, as the Father has loved me. So he is not talking about, no, he's talking about a, a love that has a givenness about it. The Father loves the Son. It's not a thing that, that, in, that generates insecurity in the Son. So we might have had fathers who gave us the impression they only loved us if we got straight A's in our exams, and who only loved us if we lived up to standards which we never managed to keep. And in, in a human being, that generates insecurity and guilt and all sorts of things like that. So I don't think the relationship between the Father and the Son is like that. As the Father has loved me, Jesus is very sure of the Father's love. But there is another aspect. I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. So how does the Son remain in the Father's love? Answer, by obeying his commands. That's what it says, isn't it? So I, I personally think of it in, in a sort of ongoing sense that Jesus, knowing the Father's love, as he walks forward in life, is always confronted, as it were, by choices as to which way to go. And every, if he could go to the left or to the right, and in each case he chooses to go to the way that the Father commands, and therefore he remains in the Father's love. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a sort of remaining thing. It's not a, a legal contract thing, but there is a, a responsiveness to it that Jesus does obey. So I'm trying to explain this. Perhaps it doesn't need explain, explaining. But do we find that offensive no in fact it's rather beautiful isn't it it's what the this ideal eternal father-son relationship is like the son is confident of the father's love and walks in the father's love which means walking in obedience to the father and if it's not problematic for jesus then hopefully we might have some sense that it needn't be problematic for us. Okay, so let's. Uh, yeah. Well, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Um, where there is true love, there cannot be legalism. Yes. 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 That's kind of bound to happen in the case of the Father and the Son, but it's not bound to happen between the 
It's more problematic with the Lord Jesus yeah. than us, isn't it? It gets. What I would point us to is 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 17. So chapter 10, verse 17 says, this is Jesus referring to himself as the good shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it again. Now that's an interesting verse, isn't it? Because I, think, I don't think it contradicts anything that we've said, but it does reinforce that idea that the father not only has a givenness of love towards Jesus, but has a responsiveness of the love as well. That as Jesus goes forward in each successive act of obedience, the Father says, isn't he wonderful? Isn't he brilliant? Look at what he's doing this time. That's tremendous. And, and, and you will have got something of that if you have children who've ever graduated or something like that or won a cycling proficiency test. And uh, you love your child anyway, but when they go up on the podium and get clapped, you think, aren't they great? I, I love them even... Well, I don't say love them even more. I love them again. I love them in this context. So it, it's, a, it, it's not... As we come to this, we might, we might find it problematic, but actually it doesn't have to... It, it can be just extremely beautiful. Uh, and that's the way it is with the father and the son. So let's... Uh, let, let's move on to this next question. Do we have a problem with Jesus commanding? Because time and again he says, my commandments. So, so I'm just sort of, ex I'm, I'm trying to draw out the question. Um, if Jesus commands us, is this a betrayal? Whoops of the whole idea of grace, or what? Grace. And his love for us and our love for him, how do those fit together? Anybody want to comment on that? very much I'll just stop and um, you said not the grounds of our justification and probably worth just explaining that so justification is when God sees a sinner and says as far as I'm concerned you're perfectly righteous I've got no charges to bring against you you're free you're um, uh, I'm on your side uh, I'm ad you're adopted in my family and we think, why would God think that? Because I'm a sinner. But that's being justified. And we are justified not because of works that we have done. So God brings us into that place of justification, that place of grace. 
So I just wanted to, to say that bit because that was the, your first, your opening sentence. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. Although we wouldn't say that Jesus was deficient in needing the Father's commands, uh, but but nevertheless, uh, yeah, we. Uh, Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think we would say that the the mode in which God the Father operates, even in creation, is to do so through the Son. So there is a sense that the Son fits in with the Father's will. That, that's the way anything is done by the Trinity. There's always a, a compliance from the Son to the will of the Father. Yes, it isn't a threat. It's not a, yeah, I think that, that's right. It's not threatening. I mean, he is, he is rightly called the Lord Jesus, isn't he? So the way you relate to someone who is your Lord is to serve them. He's the teacher, and the way to relate to a teacher is to listen and to, and to follow the teachings. So I don't think we can get this, we can't, it, it, it would be very foolish to try and remove that thought from Christianity if it's the Lord Jesus Christ, he is Lord. And the songs that we were singing actually were expressing that, weren't they? Uh, but do you notice the way they're expressing it is that he has so much loved us that we, not in a forced way, but in a very, if you like, sort of natural way, very sweet way, say, if you've done this for me, I offer my life to you unreservedly. I am your servant. Do whatever you say, I will do it. Uh, and and that, it does, it's not a sort of forced thing, but a, a, a sweet and just how else would it ever be sort of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, 
There's some sort of remarkable sort of circles, aren't there, of he loved us, we love him. And then the text keeps saying that if you walk in that way, you find his love for you and you're abiding in his love. So at first thought, you might think, oh, I don't really like this. But actually, there's something rather beautiful and unthreatening about it and very becoming and inviting. Uh, Let's look at this question here. Uh, So it's, what is it that Jesus commands? And there's one very simple answer to this. So he, he refers to his commands in the plural, but he does tell us what he means by that. Has, can anybody tease that out? Love one another. Uh, are we sure? Does it say that? Where does it say that? Where does it say that? Fifth, uh, all right, so Rod said 15, 15, 17. 15, 17. This is my command. Has anybody got a different... Steve Noack, what does yours say at that point? Um, 15, 17. These? These things I command. Yes, plural. These things I command. But the these things is one thing, isn't it? Love one another. Is that right? Is that what your translation says? These things I command, love one another. Is that right, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yep. Yes, thank you for that. Uh, if you look in John's Gospel for the, the sort of guide principles of the Christian life, it really just boils down to one thing, love one another. But... It's a lot that gets boiled down into that. That spreads out in all sorts of ways. Well, in that case, I won't do that. But, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, the, 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 love is a whole lot of things. But I do think that Jesus says, if you were to say to the text, what is it that Jesus is commanding? So verse th- uh, thirteen thirty-four. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So uh, uh, he does repeat that. And I think we could take that as being the case. What is he commanding? He keeps on saying, if you love me, you will obey my commands. What is he commanding? The, 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 the sort of source command of the whole thing is love one another. There is. I mean, when he was asked to summarize the the law, he says the summary is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind and your neighbor as yourself. So that was my next question. Is this like or unlike the Old Testament? Uh, 
so is he just saying what well, all the, the Old Testament said, I'm just going to say that again and that's it. Is, is that what he says? I mean, in the text, what does he... Hmm? He, came to the he, he did come to fulfill the law. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I would say that Jesus more than fulfilled the law, that he went a step more than the law ever commanded. When he died on the cross, he fulfilled the law and some more. Um, so... This, this is true, this is true, yes. But, um, l- l- let me direct us to this question. So look at, look at 1334, 34 and 35. From the form of words there, would we say that Jesus is merely repeating something that has already been said in, in the Old Testament, for example? Is, is it merely a repetition? Does Jesus say... Allow me to repeat what, what has always been said. A new command, yeah. And could you see anything new about it? Can I interject here, Phil? The, mm. the lady who read this passage to us this morning yes. read that verse as, as saying, and, um, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one Oh. In this, as if to say, in this way you must love one another. That was how she read it this morning, and I thought, wow. <laughs> right, Julia. He, <laughs> she's just there. <laughs> I mean, it seems, seems to me that the, the new thing, it does say new, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, and then in another place it says a new commandment, which is actually an old commandment. But there is a newness about it, and I think it is, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And Jesus loved us by dying on the cross. That's a new thing. There's nobody in the Old Testament who dies on the cross for us. So this is a new thing. And there's a newness about this command. Yes, yeah, but it, it preserves the, the, the dynamic of the, 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 the radicalness, the newness of what Jesus has done, which is a sort of amazingness thing, and now we're to love one another. So let's, let's try and draw to a conclusion here. So here's the question. What is the route to knowing more of Jesus' love, to his showing more of himself to us, and having the presence of the Father and the Son. So I think that we could say there's a logical order to this. And I think it goes something like this. Uh, first is Jesus' love for us. And what's the measure of Jesus' love for us? How would... Uh, no, no, I don't mean that. I mean, how, how can we tell how much he loves us? Okay, as the Father loved him, so he loves us. And then we could say, uh, he, he lays down his life for the sheep, uh, that sort of thing. So that's, that's a, big, a, a big starting point. Jesus, oh sorry, the, the, my screen doesn't quite 
Jesus' love for us. And then, what response do we have to his love for us? Obedience. Obedience. Yeah. Um, So, I think we love him. If any man loves me, he will obey my commands. And what's the command? To love one another. So I've almost got no room to put this. So this bit says love one another. Ooh. I'm going to try and write love one another there. One another. Um, yeah. Well, I've just managed to squeeze that in. Does it show up? Love one another. And if we love one another, what does Jesus promise is what follows on from that? Sorry? We will, yeah, we will know the ministry of the Holy Spirit and we will know his love within us and we will, we will, we will know the presence of Jesus Christ. Now then, how was I going to finish this? I can't remember. Um, I was going to try and make a complete circle, but it doesn't really make much sense, does it? Uh, so I, if I, the, all of these things, the presence of the Father and the Son... Him, him showing him more of himself to us, us knowing more of Jesus' love. And I think there's a, a rather counterintuitive logic here which says, uh, if you want to know more of the love of Jesus, rather than hiding away in a monastery and, and just meditating or something like that, the way to know more of the love of Jesus is to obey his commands and what's his command is to love one another. So come to church, come to the church lunch, help with the washing up, tidy up afterwards, volunteer to take somebody home, um, pray, pray with them and for them, love one another. And if you're doing that, says Jesus, I will show you my love. I will be present to you. Uh, the Father and the Son will abide with you. And that, it, it, that's, it's, I think it's totally beautiful. It's a little bit counterintuitive because you'd think I, I should be looking at the Lord. But he, I think he's saying, if you love me, you love my brothers and sisters. And if you love my brothers and sisters, that's where I'm to be found and my love's to be found. Um, and I will show myself to you. Yeah, let's stop there. Let's stop there.